Ladies and gentlemen, attention everyone. Welcome to No Picks After Dark. It's your boy Nick Burke, and you are now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world with Aaron Dante, giving you the hottest interviews with the dopest people, sharing their experiences from your neighborhood all around to the world. Voted Best Baltimore Podcast by you, the listeners. Now, your host, Aaron Dante. Yo, Aaron, talk to him. Welcome, folks, to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Dante. I am so happy that you're here listening to the show. It's been a great, great season. We are crushing Women's History Month. It's been an amazing, amazing month with amazing women. And we keep on rolling. We're going to keep on rolling. So the person I want to interview, interview next, this person is doing some big things out here. You know, I first noticed her way back when I did some episodes back in Black the Basics. She commented, said something about what I was doing. And I was like, well, I don't know, who is this person? You know, you always, you know, anybody takes time to give a comment, you always want to follow up and say thank you. And she's doing big things. And she can help a lot of people out here with businesses. I know that for sure. I'm not going to give away her whole story because that's why she's here. Without further ado, Miss Mariah Phillips, thank you for coming on No Picks of Dark Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> hey, I'm so excited. I remember I told you, I was like, you want, I said, come on the show. You're like, serious? I'm like, I'm dead serious. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you shouldn't have been surprised you're doing, you're doing the work. Why would, I, why would you not want to come on the show? Yeah, I'm grateful for it. It's just sometimes, well, because I focus on doing the work sometimes and just getting, you're like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I don't, you, you don't necessarily go and look to be picked up, you know. Then let me, so. let me, let me, she's a, Mariah is the owner, CEO, and founder of E3 Digital Agency, SEO, Marketer and Digital Marketing Strategies, helping companies sell more and organizations fundraise faster. So I had to give you, I got to give you your flowers. You got to make sure we put your whole title out there. <laughs> um, I, Thank I, you. I probably missed out some more stuff because, you, I mean, everybody always has a list of things, but please add on if you would like, but thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate you. Really, really do. Glad to be here. So tell our listeners a little bit about you. Let's talk about you. You know, we know you got your, your digital agency. Let's talk about you. Let's get a background so we can get the build up so we can find out who you are. Are you originally from Baltimore? Um, just give us a little background. Yeah. So I am originally from Baltimore. Um, I was born in Mercy. <laughs> yeah. uh, when I, we lived in Park Heights uh, at first, um, then we, I was raised in Woodlawn. So if you know anything about Baltimore, it's, it's, it's Baltimore city, but in the County. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, um, raised there, went to school in the city for some time, went to Institute of Nurture Dawn is now closed. Um, it, it closed what last year, 2020. Um, but yeah, so went to public school, um, in Baltimore County public schools was homeschooled for middle school, which is pretty cool. Um, and then also went to private school. So since I'm someone who's big on education and helping people, um, you know, promote education in a bunch of different sectors. Um, it's really exciting for me because like I'm like, it's exciting to be an education advocate and also have like that, that three part background of like three different types of education. Um, and so that's one thing about me. I'm big on education. I'm an education advocate, especially equitable education for communities of color. Um, because, you know, as a Baltimorean, as a person of color, that is just something that I cannot turn a blind eye to. And I hope that others don't. Um, I'm also, um, I'm, I'm very much a, a socialite. So I like COVID has been tough for me because I like meeting strangers. <laughs> like, 
I thrive off of like going places and knowing that I'm not going to know anybody there. Um, and then knowing people before I leave. So that's been kind of tough. Um, but I'm also a, a tech enthusiast. So by no means am I a software developer or anything like that, but I really appreciate the good that tech can do for the world. Um, and so that is the main, one of the main reasons why I um, really enjoy SEO, search engine optimization, which we can get into later. Um, but other than that, I am a former um, <laughs> carnivore who is now a part-time vegan. So <laughs> now, now, if you can see my face right now, folks, there's a reason why. We'll, we'll get into that. We will get into that. <laughs> there's a reason why I'm like, uh, did I just hear that correctly? So we'll talk about that further. Um, okay. <laughs> so um, did you, so did you end up going to college around here? Or did you stay around school? Like, as education wise because I use like education um yeah so I didn't go to college and stay I went to college in New Jersey it's called Fairleigh Dickinson University mm -hmm. um it's a small school right outside of Manhattan so about 15 minutes outside of Manhattan I went there for English creative writing and legal studies and what made you want to come back to Baltimore I mean I'm just I know it's off but Todd but you're right next to Manhattan I mean everybody wants to live in the big city as Alicia Keys said you know yeah it's cute <laughs> till you pay that big city rent <laughs> Well, there were a few factors. Um, one was the, was the, you know, the, it was just economically, it didn't make sense. You know, um, Maryland is not the most affordable state, but it is not New York. So, I, you know, it just made more sense to, um, I was up there for six years, built a really, um, a career that I'm proud of in public relations there. And I, I definitely saw how those um, skills, you know, and those things that came from the New York market could be applied to the Maryland market and the DMV. And um, so that, and then my, I had my, my first niece came around the time that I moved back here and I'm a big family person. And so she had come to visit me. Well, like she came by herself, she was like six months old. <laughs> but my sister brought her to visit me in New Jersey and she had no, she was terrified of me. And so I was like, oh my God, I cannot have a niece who is terrified of me because she doesn't know me. So <laughs> it was kind of like the stars aligned as you know, I could bring this value back to my hometown and home area. And I could also be with my family, which I really um, care about. So that's beautiful. I, I lived in uh, New Brunswick, <clears throat> North Jersey, you know, middle, okay. Central Jersey uh, for a little bit, for a couple of years. So I, I get the big city prices. I remember I was like, I want to move to Manhattan. And I was like, God, them prices is not. <laughs> they are terrifying. They are like, like <laughs> even for people who I'm like, even if you do have you know, even if you don't mind paying the $5,600 a month for a two bedroom apartment, I'm just like, there are other things that I could be doing <laughs> with that money. So yeah, you never lied about that. So we, we are happy you came back to the DMV. We are very happy that you came back. So when you got back out of college, what was like your first gig? Like, what was your first job out? Were you, you know, was it hard to find a job from what you were studying for? Did you want to go and did you want to be a teacher, major in English? Did you want to, did you kind of know your route of where you want to go? Oh yeah. So that's, that's a pretty interesting <laughs> flow. I, my mother's a teacher. She's an English teacher, always has been. And so I knew that I didn't want to be a school teacher. Um, I just, I didn't want to do it. I was, I just, I love children. I love making an impact on children's lives, but I did not want to be in the classroom. I had been in the classroom with kids since I was a kid, you know, through church, <laughs> children's 
church um, through, you know, we used to catch the bus from Asco Street back to Woodlawn after school. Mm. And um, so my mother would still be teaching when we would get back. And so we would help in the classroom that way. And so it was just, I had been in the classroom so much and I, I just, I was, I didn't want to go into a profession where I was in a classroom again, because I was like, I feel like there's something else I could do um, with words. So um, right out in college, I actually, you know, just researched, hey, what else can you do with an English degree? I was like, I have to write. That's not an option. Um, people were like, well, I hope you plan on being poor forever. And I'm like, there are plenty of people out here writing who are not broke. <laughs> so, and that I would be one of them. Um, and so I stumbled upon public relations as a profession. Um, and so since I was by New York, it seemed like a great, it seemed like a great match. Um, but in New York, public relations is a popular profession. So it was not easy to get in to land internships um, or things like that, especially when you have people coming from all over the world trying to do the same thing. So um, what was beneficial, though, was that I um, ended up when I would come home on summer breaks during college, I was like, I I'm, I'm still the type. I'm just I keep going. I'm like, we got to keep moving. So I would um, see what internships were available here in Baltimore related to that. And um, I was able to land one at the Better Business Bureau um, downtown and there, as a public relations intern. So that kind of like got the, got the ball rolling for the rest of everything that happens. Um, and so after, it wasn't necessarily hard for me to find a job after college in the, in the New York region because I made it a priority to, when I tell you every single day, my schedule was, you know, go eat breakfast, go to the gym, study, apply to 15 jobs, uh, hang out with my friends, go to work. <laughs> I had two jobs and an internship repeat. So I was by the time I got out, I, I was fine <laughs> in the job arena and landed a role as a public relations coordinator at a public boutique PR firm in Fort Lee, New Jersey. And so that's how I got my career. Started. I think I was, it was funny. I started um, the first day at that new job was the day after graduation, which was also my 22nd or 23rd birthday, 22nd birthday. So that was exciting. <laughs> but you know what? You had a job right after college. Yeah. You know, I always tell people, I mean, I remember my last week of college, I had a job. I actually had a job four months before you graduated, four months, you know? And they wanted me to start, like, I, we graduated in May, Mother's Day weekend. They wanted me there June 1st. I was like, nah. I said, I need, <laughs> I, I need to start after 4th of July. They're like, what? I said, I need to, I, I need to have a good time. I need, to, <laughs> I need to have a good time. I need to enjoy June. And I was like, I need two weeks. Uh, actually, it was two weeks after 4th of July. Because I was like, I don't know how crazy I'm going to be in 4th of July weekend. It was probably my last free weekend of my life, as we know it. And Right. And now I look back at it. I wish I was starting in August because you know what? <laughs> all we do is work right now. So I, I really get that. I really, I like that you were lined up. You were focused on what you were trying to do out here and that kudos to you for doing that. That's, that's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I, I, if I, I, I do not underestimate the value of having a good time first. It is important. Oh. <laughs> so. Hey, listen, after this pandemic, oh, we are, we, I, I already told my boys, I said, we're in the first flight to Miami. I got like the good <laughs> Yeah, it is necessary. Right I'm not going right now. I said, I ain't messing with Miami. They crazy down there right now. That's a whole different story. Florida, right. Florida being Florida, that's all. Exactly. <laughs> so when you worked at the BBB down here and the, the Fort Lee, all that stuff, where did your family, where did the entrepreneurial spirit come from? 
did your fan, did you see somebody in your family? Like I always ask people that question because they normally see somebody else doing something. They're like, wow, I kind of want to do what they're doing. I like what they're doing. Did you pick it up from somebody or did it something that, that was always inside of you that you're like, I want to work for okay. myself? For me, I think it was the community building. Um, it's the community building initiative that I got from my mother. She, our entire life, she's either, she's great and has done, you know, continues to help people build schools. So if someone has a private school that they need to build out, she helps them to like pull together their curriculum and like the systems for their school. It's not like she does it as a business. It's just her passion. Mm -hmm. So she's done it for um, like private schools. She does it for people who have programs. And so when we were younger, I would see her do that. And it was just, you know, when you're younger, it's just like, that's what, you know, that's what she does, whatever. Um, and so she would also run summer camps. So she would have summer camps that she would run in our house and just find somehow we just had kids in our house all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just, how did they get here so um that was really like where the community building and like entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit came from e even though that wasn't necessarily the the um the perspective that she was coming at it from it was more like this is my passion I can do this in the world and that's what I'm gonna do um so the the idea was there but it wasn't the sort of thing where like it was the intent was to have a structured business. It was to do good because that's what she enjoyed doing. Mm. Um, and so I, I also have an aunt, who, her sister, who did have a, um, a very big um, uh, social work. I don't even know what to call it, but she had group homes throughout Baltimore. Um, the company it was called Finding Direction. Um, and so she had a, a business that was pretty booming. I was really young at the time, so I didn't know what a business was. I just knew that she was able to employ a lot of people, um, including family members who needed employment at a time where a lot of people just didn't have jobs. Um, and so I knew that that was something she was doing, never really made the connection as to, okay, so this is something that I could do eventually. It just wasn't on my radar. <laughs> so um, I think that there were, there were seeds of inspiration that weren't on my radar. And then through the course of life and experiences, those seeds like have now come to fruition and blossom, um, thankfully. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Wow. I like that. I like that. I like that. All right. So we're about to switch topics. We are going to switch topics now. So we're going to talk about you being the CEO and founder of E3 Digital Agency. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about, walk us through this. I mean, First, like, you know, where did this come from? Where did this, I know you had, you had another business that was a, a copywriting business, but mm -hmm. what made you get into digital agency? Like what, what, what fascinated you about that? I know you say you, you were into technology, but what made you get into that? What, what was the light that was like, I can help people out in this, in this arena? Yeah, so I had always, when I was working full-time in public relations, I mean, I worked full-time at an ed tech company called To You Inc. in Landover, Maryland. Um, I worked, at, which is a startup. Um, so I had worked at those two places. And I also worked at an international nonprofit in Baltimore on the, mar on the digital fundraising side. So from the PR, the digital fundraising, and the working at that startup in their organic marketing department, as well as their, one of their... Um, one of their school partner departments doing national affiliation agreements. Um, I, I got a wealth of experience of what it looked like to be in-house and what it also looked like to be on the agency side. Um, and I really enjoy writing and I'm also very much a self-starter. So I'm just, I have a lot of ideas and I'm not one to sit on them. And so being 
um, being in a nine to five wasn't allowing me to do the things that I was like, I can see these things being done. Um, and so I was like, okay, where do we start? Um, COVID-19 happened. And so the, my original plan, which was, I was holding a, a monthly Sunday dinner called Sunday dinner, Baltimore, um, to kind of like get a feel for like what Baltimore needs. Um, you know, just have a social community where people are enjoying each other. And just that, again, that like, I guess a blossom of that seed of community building that I got through childhood. Um, I had hosted in March of 2020, right before, like literally like a week before this COVID was like a thing. At the time I was doing work in DC. And so DC, the folk, like we were doing um like, what do you call it? Um, like political policy and like international policy um, work. And so we had heard about COVID like long before it really hit the airwaves. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's get, let's get this event done. Um, you know, and so, and I, I didn't really, who could have seen COVID happen the way that it did. So we did the event. It was a dinner um, at this place in Cannes called Brick Rose Exchange, a small event space. Um, and so, you know, 30 people came, it was the very first event, big cold selling tickets. Um, and my mother cooked the food. Like it was just a very like home, the whole idea is to conjure up those feelings of having dinner um, in a space that is, that is comfortable for black people and where we can enjoy ourselves and grow. COVID happened, that was no longer the case, you know, for safety reasons. And so I was like, okay, I always turn to writing um, when the initial plans don't go as planned. And so I said, I, well, I've been doing copywriting for um, the agencies and companies that I've worked for and small businesses that I have been helping behind the scenes um, for quite some time. So like, let's go all in with this thing. Um, and so it was really um, out of something so negative as COVID, it was a really exciting start to get the copywriting going. Um, my goal, I love helping small businesses grow as big as they want to or keep or stay as small as they want to and still be successful. Um, and so a lot, what I realized that a lot of small businesses were missing was persuasive sales language. <laughs> like a lot of folks had awesome ideas. They had great products. They were great people. Like all these things were great and they were falling short on the sales piece. So a lot of, um, even in the past, a lot of businesses that I loved, I would be like, why did they close? Like, this was a great idea. Like what happened? Um, and then I look back and I'm like, wow, like they weren't communicating their message effectively. Like you can have the, a million dollars idea of million dollar product if you're not communicating effectively it's 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 never you, ne you never see that um that outcome and so i started the copywriting business was working with small businesses a lot of folks were like oh my god we <laughs> we didn't even know there was a black copywriter out here um because a lot of copy there are all so sorts of copywriters but my copy in general i focus on soulful copy so um you know people who have initiatives with in the wellness space um, you know, if we're talking about wellness, as far as yoga, all the way up until like pre actual practitioners and doctors, um, if we're talking about folks in education, like the world has come to a place where being cold to your audience is just not going to, and transactional is not going to happen. And so you really need words that are going to speak to that person beyond, you know, the transaction. And so that's what I do for people. Um, then I realized that a lot of clients were getting the copy and then falling short on the digital marketing piece. And so as a problem solver, I was like, okay, well, okay. So now <laughs> I have to help these people, you know, make sure that they have the message, they're communicating with the audience and then can get it to the right people. And so um, that was the inspiration for snowballing from solely copywriting to having a digital marketing agency 
that focuses on more than social media, because that's something a lot of um, small businesses and even pretty sizable businesses um, fall back on so often is Instagram and Facebook. And, and it's the world's changing and the world, you know, for company, for bigger companies who make multi-millions and even billions, there are advanced marketing systems and tools that they use to do that. And, and I, since I'm privy to them, um, from the experience that I had in corporate America and in the uh, major nonprofit world, I said, hey, small businesses need this. And so that's that's the inspiration for E3 Digital Agency. Nice. I love it. I love it. Where did the E3 come from? What did that, where, what was that? Was there a secret meaning behind that? <laughs> secret. So um, <laughs> we really value education. We value education. We value people doing what they love. So employment. And we also v- value philanthropic community building initiatives, which is uh, falls into events. Um, so education, employment, events, E3. Um, and the reason why wellness still fall, fall, falls under that is because the wellness uh, folks or the doctors that I work with um, are, are big personally on educating audiences, not just administering um, services or administering health, but the education piece too. So in, in any type of organization or company that I work with, I like, you know, the, the driving factors, usually education, making sure everyone involved is doing what they love and making sure we are doing something philanthropic for the community and building communities. Yeah, so that's E3 Digital. Um, I genuinely believe that when people are educated, doing what they love in life and a part of like a community of like-minded people, they have everything they need to be their brightest selves in this world. So that's that's that. That's great. That's great. So now a lot of people are going to probably ask me, and I mean, a lot of people may not know, what is a, what is a SEO? Please explain <laughs> to the audience. Just because like we're educating here, as this is education and yeah, yeah. I mean, people probably like I don't know SEO. What I don't know what is that. Tell yeah, so SEO is stands for search engine optimization. So simply put, it is how you help your users, your uh, ideal audience, um, easily find you on the internet. So, for example, before we get into the technical explanation of it, if you are looking for cheesesteak subs in Baltimore, or if you are looking for um, a, 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 an acupuncturist near me, um, you, you type those things into Google, search engine optimization is the practice of making sure that when someone types that into Google or someone types a search term related to the services that you offer into Google, your company's website stands a better chance of being at the top of Google's search. So the general rule when you're thinking about search engine optimization is how many of us really scroll past the first page on Google when we're looking for something? How many is a, how many of us even scroll down to the bottom of the first page on Google? Nope. So search engine optimization is important because you have a website, you've invested the money, you know, you've invested probably into copy, maybe you invested in social media. Um, but nobody's seeing any of these things because Google is not pushing it out to people. Google's not showing it to people. Google, uh, you have to think about it as being the authority for how information is dispersed to people on the internet. Uh, Google's not the only authority. There's also Bing, there's also Yahoo, and there are also search engine tools called Yandex and other ones, but those are not as authoritative as Google. We all know Google, we use it and love it. And so search engine optimization is, is doing different, implementing different tactics and putting very calculated um, 
and um, user, you know, user optimized content on your website so that Google, when Google looks at your website, Google has these things called crawlers. So you can just think of them as little bugs. So if you have a website, Google, um, you register with Google, which is also part of search engine optimization. Um, and that's a whole nother story, but it's, it's very simple. It's way simple. I've taught people how to do it by themselves. <laughs> so um, the crawlers will look at your website and say, oh my God, this is what exists on their website. They're a place that does acupuncture and they're in Baltimore and they're owned by, you know, Mariah. Um, and so all of those things properly placed on your website makes Google say, this is a trusted website. This is awesome. When people look for acupuncturists in Baltimore, when people look for cheesesteaks in Baltimore near me, I'm definitely showing them this. And so that's how search en engine optimization works. And that's how you get more people on your site and eventually make more sales. Now, we're not, now we're not going to talk about the ugly part of that, though, because that, that's that, that you have to go to her class with it probably. But you got you can pay for it, can't you? Can't you pay for higher things so you're automatically get on the top of the page? Yeah, so you can pay to be, you can pay for advertising. Like, so not the dirty thing because it's kind of like, the companies that pay the most money are the first ones to get the clicks on top. Right, exactly, right. exactly. And so that's how intricate SEO gets. Right. So um, there are folks who literally, like just like you would bid on anything if you were doing an auction, mm -hmm. there are companies who bid on certain terms, certain words. So a company might, let's say, um, you know, a let's say a company sells uh, cups, you know, mugs, Baltimore mugs. Um, and they are a company, they're like, whenever someone types in Baltimore mugs, I want them to come to my website. You can bid on that word. You can bid on Baltimore mugs. You can bid on that term um, so that you, you know, you're preferred by Google. So um, the goal with search engine optimization is not, is not to spend a lot of money, though, on those terms. You only want to spend money if you have to on terms that are very important to what you're doing and what you're selling. And then the, the, you know, the second piece in that is making sure that you are organically optimizing your um, on-site. So on-site means optimizing your website for what is actually visible and on your website and invisible. Um, and then also um, optimizing the things that you are doing around your brand online um, so that you can get organic traffic from your social media as part of your SEO, you know. There are a lot of different things that factor into your um, your the fullness of how Google values your company online. You know what we're gonna have? I'm 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 about to hire her right now for a couple of things I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> I'm about to spend my little rent money on this boy. I got my, it's worth it though. It is. I like everything. Everything you're saying is right spot on. I mean, I'm listening to when I I learned about SEO. I, I knew about it, but I didn't know about it when I started my website. I didn't. I knew you know how you know things. But until somebody explains it to you, you're like, oh. Right, exactly. The light bulb. Um, and so that is very important. And if you guys want to learn more about that, you can go to her class. We're gonna we're gonna plug that in because she can teach y'all that and you gotta pay for that. So we ain't gonna we ain't gonna give, <laughs> give y'all too many jewels and gems, but you gotta definitely look her up. So why is digital marketing so important? Tell me why why is that so important now? Yeah, digital marketing is very important because um, even before COVID, just the age that we live in, people are doing things online. People trust online now. Um, before, you know, before, honestly, what whatever your thoughts are on Amazon, Amazon really did the work. <laughs> you know, it could it spiraled into something that might not be so pretty today. 
but they really did a lot of work in getting and building people's trust in online transactions and online purchases. Um, if we go back as far as MySpace, they did a lot of work in, um, in getting people to build communities online. Again, Facebook, even though it sprouted into something that a lot of us may not like, they did a lot of, so it's just the world is being bought online, not the entire world, but a great portion of the world, especially if you're a business thinking of uh, people who are willing to take unprecedented actions, who are willing to make purchases that they've made, maybe never made before. Those are the types of people who are on the internet. You know, they're people who are interested in what's happening now. And so if you're a business who is doing something that's happening now, you know, that's innovative, that's special. If you're doing something where you're like, I know people need this, then you definitely want to be in a space where people who are willing to try something new and people who are willing to, um, people who are willing to trust someone that they've never met and can't physically meet are, you know, and so online digital marketing is very important because you are not only um, meeting your audience where they are, but you're meeting a very, um, I will say a very um, special segment of your audience, which are people who are willing to, you know, they're the, they're the innovators and they are the early adapters of things. And so um, it, it's just there. I mean, I could go on all day if we're talking, there are ways to, you know, sell your products. If you're, if you don't want to spend money, you can do it for free. If you do want to spend money, you can pay for it. For and it. so that's the benefit. They got to pay for you. They got to pay for that for you. No, we're going to make sure they pay for that. They got to <laughs> At Fishnet, every plate served starts with the freshest, high-quality fish sourced from local waters whenever possible. You get fine dining excellence delivered in a cozy, underpretentious, fast-casual setting. Delicious does not even begin to describe it. Everything I've tried is made from scratch and incredible. The best fish I've ever had. Check them out for lunch or dinner at Mount Vernon Marketplace. Get caught in the Fishnet. You'll be glad you did. Menu and details at eatfishnet.com. If you can't get everybody, you can't get everybody everything. You know, I learned that. So you got, but I want them to know what you, you know, you don't, you're doing a, a high level overview, which I love. I love it. And then I, and I want people to go out and find out the nitty gritty and, you know, pay for your time. Cause you know what? You're dropping a lot of stuff right now. I'm like, I'm writing stuff down over here on the side. Like, yeah, I got, I got, I got some questions after this, after this, after this interview. So yeah, I just I like people to be informed. I think that is one thing that um that really helps. You know, a lot, a lot of times in business, especially, we can get excited for people to buy from us. But the whole thing, especially when it comes to making sales from anyone's perspective, if you don't educate people first, and they do buy your product or they do invest in your services. And they get there and it's like crickets, crickets, crickets. you know, you, un, an uninformed customer is a, is a customer lost and it is, it is um, a detractor to the value of your company. Um, you know, think about it. You, if we're talking about back when malls were a thing and you have those people walking up to you selling you like really weird tools and like, they like, come on, buy this man. Like this is so cool. Ah. And so like you're annoyed. So you're like, here, take the $20. I'll take it. Um, and you, you throw it to the side, you never use it again because you have no clue what that contraption is about. The same thing applies for every type of, uh, <laughs> for every type of sale. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. So what are some of the trials and tribulations that you've encountered starting your business? I mean, like, like any, any things that you could help us out in the background, like peek behind the curtain, like say, I, you know, I wish I would have done something different or things you're learning on the way. Yes, yeah, so I will say that um, 
I think that when it comes to having a business that isn't necessarily a startup or where you're not looking for, where you're not initially looking for venture capitalists, um, it's very important to really take the time to write out a very detailed business plan. Like I'm talking about the financials, you know, the, the executive summary, like I, these are things that a lot of people skip over. Um, and, and not that I intentionally skipped over it, but because I had to pivot so quickly during COVID in order to keep sales going, you know, you, Hey, business plans take a long time to write. Um, but I will say that the, the opportunity to, to backtrack and do that has been awesome. Um, I, I kind of look at it this way. I'm like, there's value in, because I know a lot of people, especially Baltimoreans, especially, um, you know, people nowadays with the way the world is going, we get those, those, um, those, that inspiration, that instant inspiration of an aha idea. And, you know, for a number of reasons, we might not necessarily have the time or the experience to flesh it out in a well-calculated business plan. Um, but there's beauty in, in doing it, you know, and doing it the, um, the cobbler cobbling it together as well, because you really get to see what you, what, who your audience is, who your audience is not, what you do want, what you don't want. Um, and that sort of thing, if you don't have like an MBA degree or, you know, something that can really set you up from the very beginning. Um, but I will say that if there's anything that I could advise people on, it's going to small, free small business resources, um, taking those free classes they have to teach you about your marketing, taking those free classes they have to teach you about taxes. There are a lot of free resources out here for small businesses and businesses in general that you should take advantage of. Um, and so, you know, along the way, what I'm learning is um, just how exciting it is to not know everything. I think that, you know, it's awesome to be an expert in what I'm an expert in. And, and you know, that's awesome for everyone else. Um, but I, the what I get, like the excitement that I get out of being in business is collaborating with partners from who have different expertise, you know, and, and opening up different worlds of opportunity because of that. So I will say that anybody starting a business, don't be afraid to, to network and don't be afraid to reach out to people and don't be afraid to keep talking about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, I, I, I consult for clients when it comes to marketing and networking for their businesses. And one recurring theme is you're not telling enough people, <laughs> you know, when we, well, because it's something that we're doing and that we're in every day, sometimes we can assume that people know what we're doing. It's a big world out here and it's a competitive space online. And so if you're not being strategic and thoughtful about how you are getting the word out on what you're doing, why you're doing it, and who you're doing it for, then that hurts your chances of growing in the future. Wow. You, you, you dropping now. Now, now you, you warmed up over there. I see you talking, talking <laughs> right now. I'm sitting here like, damn, I wish I would have known that when I started doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's always that sort of thing. I wish I would have known when I had started, you know, now you got it. It's like, just, I just want, you know, people who don't, you don't always have to do that. I wish I would have known it. So I'm just like, if you can get it now, <laughs> get it now, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here listening. I can, I can name the think of I have a collective that people should this is a definitely episode that everybody needs to listen to because we all can think back when we started doing something different you know and wow wow well thank you so much that was really good I like that so what is your sales pitch to businesses so say if I'm like listen I have a podcast I'm trying to expand my business out here how do you pitch to us how do you pitch to people like myself saying 
that you can do what you can do or what you can do to help out? Yeah. So, you know, um, the goal of, of most podcasts, especially nowadays, is is one, because you love what you do. You have a message you get out and you need to pull together people who are going to help you continue that message, you know, bring the world to a better place, get that word out. Um, but in the world that we live in, when people when you create super fans, you know, when you create people who really love and enjoy what you're doing, you're going to eventually it's just, it's going to happen. They're going to start wanting to buy stuff from you. People want to keep being a part of the culture that you're creating for your business and your brand, just like you with the t-shirts and the hoodies, like people love it, you know, they want it. And, um, when, you know, you could go the, the, um, the apparel route, some people go the, you know, they want to build digital courses. Some people, um, if you're talking about, um, you know, affiliation marketing, there's so many different ways that a podcast can start out, you know, because we're, we're helping people. Um, and then eventually, as you grow, and as things develop, and as like I said, you you network and get the word out, people are going to start wondering, how can I continue to be a part of this? How can I continue to be within this community? Um, and if there if you are able to gather, you know, a community like that of raving super fans, then there are more people out there, you know, there are more people looking to be a part of what you're doing. Um, and you might find eventually that even if you do work a nine to five, that because what you're doing is so special with your side hustle, your podcast, that that is that is going to become what you're doing to for income, period. That's going to become your full time thing. Um, and what I always caution people to 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 uh, take a look at when you have something good going, like a podcast that's catching on is OK. Is it going to come to the, do I foresee it coming to a point where things are going to grow and bubble up so much that I'm going to have to make a choice? Am I going to stunt its growth um, by keeping my nine to five or by keeping the other competing priorities? Or am I going to make an intelligent transition into full-time business? And so the, the way, one of the components of making an intelligent transition into full-time business is making sure you have your marketing on lock. Like <laughs> to making sure that, you are you're, you're thinking about the financial. You're thinking about you know the end result, the result for the end user. You're thinking about um, the type of conversions you want to make. You're keeping track of those things, and you're exploring all the different untapped audiences that would would also become super fans of the things that you are doing with your podcast and with the overarching brand that you're building. Um, social media, Instagram, we know that they all work on algorithms. They work on algorithms. And if you know anything about social media, they are, social media is usually not profitable. Like if you're looking at financials of social media, they're usually not profitable. Um, it just makes sense to keep them going plain, in plain terms. Um, so they become marketplaces. And, and at a certain point, marketplaces, um, I won't get too much into that, but they, <laughs> there's a whole lot that goes on with that, which can prevent you from, it can stunt your growth. You, if you become too reliant on social media solely, you know, one day, I think back in 2019, Instagram crashed and, and everybody who used Instagram as their sole platform for getting the word out was like, WTF, like, what am I supposed to do? Um, and so digital marketing is, is just, you know, giving you a, a bunch of different options on how you can stay in touch with people, on how you can learn more about people who want to be a part of what you're doing and earn um, more from what you're doing. So that is, that's what I tell folks who have a podcast or, you know, if you have something that you know is a business already or that you have this inkling that it might become one, that's the benefit of digital marketing. You sold me already. You sold me already. You know, <laughs> I, it's funny you say that because, you know, like you said about the merch and whatnot of me selling merch and 
all that good stuff. And it, and it was a great, it was my first time doing it first, you know, my trials and tribulations. It was crazy, but I realized I don't want to do it no more. <laughs> it, was fun. it was fun. But then you say something interesting that, that I didn't really think about. And I'm glad you said it. You were like super fans. And I'm learning that that's happening at this point with, with my podcast. Um, I'm at the point now, this is, it's not now, it's a good, it's good, it's a good thing. Yeah. Our sponsors are like, Hey, can we jump in? Can we jump in? Can we jump in? And I'm like, I don't have much, I don't have that much ad space on my show. <laughs> no Picks After Dark podcast is sponsored by the Charm City Craft Mafia, Baltimore's best local craft fair, presenting Pile of Craft, a virtual craft show on the last Saturday of April, featuring handmade stationery, apparel, jewelry, ceramics, wall art, body care, small batch food gifts, and more. Crafted by makers in Baltimore and the region. Pile of Craft will be on April 24th, 2021. For more information, please go to charmcitycraftmafia.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Charm City Craft Mafia. But, you know, it's like, I, I could, like, what they say uh, when Biggie says Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, I couldn't picture this. I, that's how I feel right now. Yeah. This two years ago. I didn't see this happening two years. I didn't see this a year ago. Um, and it just is like I'm flying by, I see my pants, you know? And <laughs> and literally, but I'm keeping up because I have a good support team of friends around me who are like, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should just slow down. This is what you need to do, you know? Um, That's great. And I'm learning every day, like, kind of like, wow, these people, they really like the show. They wanted to keep on going. And, you know, I had to talk to a person before I got on the show, got on the phone with you today and say, hey, like, you got to give me your plan, your what you want to do advertising-wise, because I don't want, I don't, I don't want to do you wrong. I want to make sure I, what I'm going to do for you is the best of my business, you know, ability. Yeah. I communicate through Instagram. It was great. Reach out through me. Just give me a call. Email me so we can walk, work, walk through this process. Right. And that's what I'm learning. I'm learning. And I like what you said about Instagram went down. People were nervous. I was one, and I know I'm going to, I'm going against everything you're going to say right now. I, I can see what you, I can see your answer right now. <laughs> I was against um, newsletters. Mm-hmm. The more and more and more I'm hearing, I'm listening. So you got to remember, I first started, I was like, I'm not doing newsletters. I get, I hate those emails I get from people. I hate signing up. Hey, hey. But then I'm hearing from like you and others, and I'm thinking to myself, if I like that podcast, I'm going to keep that newsletter email coming to me. Right. If it's something I don't like, I wouldn't subscribe to it or I wouldn't send them in my email to do that. Exactly. And I always, and I, then, then I, I play devil's advocate and I'm like, I get so many emails a day. Like in the world we live in now, we, we're on computers 24 seven. So I'm like, all right, do I really want a newsletter? And that leads me to my next question. Newsletters, your thoughts on that. Yeah. So for newsletters, I think it depends on the type of business that you have. I think that if you have the type of business that is putting out creative work like yours is and, um, you know, putting out creative work like like my business, if you have if you have a product where it takes you a long time or service where it takes a, a longer time to produce that thing, then then if you had a single product that you were selling like a retail product. I think newsletters tend to make sense for that Um, because one, it makes sense for you, for your schedule, especially if you don't have a marketing team yet (laughs) and you want to stay in touch with people. 
but two, because you do want to stay in touch with folks and more importantly, folks want to stay in touch with you. Um, and a newsletter is, is a way to keep, 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 keep in touch, keep things going, let people know what's happening. The key to writing a newsletter that works is making the inbox an exciting place to be. Um, a lot of times I will observe that companies might, um, write, write a, a newsletter, which is, which is more like an internal briefing, <laughs> you know, it's like, they're just giving folks a very stressful and detailed, you know, summary of what's going on internally and what they've got coming up, as opposed to sharing the exciting things that are, that are coming for you, that are happening for you, the reader, the consumer, the super fan. And so um, I, I think newsletters are also awesome for keeping your audience warmed up um, and excited and, you know, getting feedback from people because feedback is very important in marketing. You don't market based off of what's going on in your head. You market based off of what's happening in the market. So a newsletter allows you to send out surveys organically. You know, no one likes to not hear from you for a year and then you slap a survey on them and then you're like, hey, nobody took it. It's like you haven't been providing value for 12 months and now you want me to take three minutes out of my day to take a survey, not happening. And so as a business, when especially, you know, any, any um, business period, not just digital marketing, you have to give nine to 10 times before you ask and take. And so a newsletter is, is a gradual, hey, I'm given, I'm given, and it's authentic. Um, and so even when we're talking about spiraling into selling products, if you don't sell products now, or if you don't sell services now, a newsletter is a perfect place to launch that because, you know, for a long time, you've been staying in touch with people. You've been giving them natural organic updates on what's happening. You know, you're serving folks. And now here, you know, based off of what I learned from you guys and what you want, we have a product now. Come, come and get it. You know, let us know what you think. Um, let, we'll, we'll keep working on it for you. And that's how you make the sales. You know, a lot, I see many times folks just jumping out there and saying, I have an idea and I think I want to sell it, you know, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it works, you know, if you're the peanut man and, and you know, people are hungry on the street and you're like, Hey, I saw dollar peanut. They, sure. Go ahead. You don't really have to warm people up for that. But if you're talking about something unprecedented or if you're talking about a larger investment um, or if you're just talking about something people haven't seen before from you, you got to build a relationship. You write for businesses, sales pitches to other businesses? Oh, yes, I do. So it would definitely be to be sales pitches. Um, also, um, I work with clients to get their, um, if you have a service or a product that would go well with employee benefits packages and things like that, um, just helping clients to see all that their product or service can do for people. Um, so I help, I help uh, folks make that sale. I help people identify their best features, you know, work on their features, their best benefits, the full scope of what it takes to get audiences that you thought about and that you didn't think about to be interested in, in, in partnering with you. Okay. 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 You, you, you definitely, you got my mind going like a million different ways. I'm like, I stay on course because I'm thinking about stuff for Charm C Collective Media, No Picture Dark Club. I'm thinking about everything. So, but um, so where do you see your company? Where do you see what the next five years with how the world is going right now? The world, everybody's on everybody's online right now. And it's not going to change. It's not going to change at all. You know that. Everybody's on their cell phone. I mean, at the point, it's just it's everywhere. Where do you see your company going next five years? 
Yeah. So for us in five years, I really see it. So one of our, our biggest missions is to make sure that um, more black identifying business owners can be a bigger part, a bigger part of the market share in whatever industry that they're in. Um, there are, you know, small businesses are my passion across cultures. Um, and one thing that I have observed, especially over the course of the year, I've, I've been in corporate America for a while, so I've observed it for the course of many years, but it's been amplified, I believe, for the public more so um, in recent years is that there are amazing black owned businesses out here doing things in so many different, so many different categories. You know, I work with doctors, I work with educators, I work with software developers, I work with wellness coaches um, on, on products and services. And so, and, and what I have found is that the, the connection between here is a trustworthy place where you can come and tap into more advanced marketing tools isn't really it has it's, it's kind of not 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 as big or not as much there as it should be um and so for me where i see the world happening in five years in our company working to do this is making sure we can help more black identifying business owners grow generational wealth through expanding their offerings and services through having access to those more advanced marketing tools and um and and trainings and things like that because Hey, marketing runs the world, especially in the part of the world that we live in. So I definitely see a world where more people are, are educated, happily employed um, in a part of communities that help them edify themselves as a result of the work that we help our clients do at E3 Digital. Nice, nice, nice. And what classes do you teach online that you offer right now? Yeah, so right now I have um, an offering that would also be included on the website in coming months, um, but it is an SEO class. So basically it's called Power Your SEO. It's an SEO class for beginners. So typically folks who enjoy and get a lot of out of the class have heard of SEO before. They have a, a peaked interest in SEO. They um, have a business already or plan on starting a business and they're like, oh my God, you know, I know about SEO now. I know how important it is. I want to make sure that as I look to launch my business or my website, I'm taking all these important things into consideration um, when it comes to marketing through search engine optimization. Um, and so it's the class basically takes you through a brief history of what how the internet came to be, um, how search engine optimization came to be. We go through a few simple case studies. Um, of the the where we started and where we finished with some brands that I've worked for worked worked for before in um, the education industry and beyond, um, and how SEO helped to grow them. And I give you real life and live examples of how that happened. Um, and then the course wraps up with showing you how to use um, very simple yet highly effective tools for optimizing your SEO um, on your own until you have grown your business to a place where you can hire. Um, an SEO uh, agency to give you a more advanced hand in boosting your search engine optimization. So that's what the course is. Um, it'll be available on my website, um, which we can talk about, you know, when we wrap up, up the show. So. Okay. Okay. All right. So you can, you can uh, breathe around. Cause now we got, we got through the hard part. This is the best. This is the funny part. I like doing called rapid fire. All right. What inspires you every day? What inspires me every day? Education. Education inspires me every single day. I, there, there are almost no words um, because I know having grown up in Baltimore County, having been born in Baltimore City, grown up in Baltimore County, um, being a person of color, being a woman, um, I know 
and having been in a Title I public school, homeschooled, and then a private school with affluent families, and my family was not affluent <laughs> as far as financials, um, the difference that an education makes in a person's life. You know, you can you can have all the ideas, all the talent, all the all the potential in the world. If you don't have the the instruction and the education to be able to properly apply those things and make them happen, you know, to properly get the people involved to make it happen, to be able to present yourself in a way that is going to allow more people to comprehend what you're trying to put out, then you don't stand a chance. Like if people try to sugarcoat it and say, you don't stand that much of a chance, you don't stand a chance, you know, <laughs> because the when we talk about a chance, we're talking about the ability to sustain yourself no matter what climate we're in in the world. And so that's what, that's what like my voice getting shaky now. Cause I'm like, that's what <laughs> drives me. That's what I'm passionate about. And like, that's what's very, very, very important. And so um, I, I believe that, you know, any sort of way that I can help personally um, folks, you know, that's why I really enjoy working with nonprofits as well. Um, I definitely consult for digital fundraising for nonprofits because SEO and digital fundraising comes into play a whole lot, especially when you get down to the nitty gritty of making sure people can find your donation forms to give to your nonprofit. Um, when it comes to that, like I, I'm big on working with nonprofits that value education and that are passionate about that because that is the driving force like behind why I do anything that I do. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Your favorite author. Who's your favorite author? <clears throat> oh my God, this one is so tough. Ugh. <laughs> this is wrong. Um, so I know you got <laughs> no, I know you got some good authors. I know you like a lot of them. So I do, I do. So I I know this is this is probably like Maya Angelou is my first favorite author mm -hmm. because she was the first. Ugh, my mother is the type where she's like, is this book for a 13-year-old? Great, you're five. Go ahead and read it. So, um, you know, we were reading, I know why the cage bird sings probably before a lot of people read it at a certain age. And, um, it was just interesting to see how transparent she was about her reality, um, and the things that she was going through, you know, and the things, um, that were happening in her life that, that happened to, it's not uncommon, but it is not a story that is often told. And so she's one of my favorite authors because, I really appreciate the way she expressed, ex I say expresses because I, even when people pass on, I believe that the work that they do continues to do work. The way that she expresses, you know, um, elements of humanity and elements of, of being, just being, you know, in her work and in that book and beyond. So she's, and I just, her voice is very powerful. Her story, if you ever, if anyone listening ever hasn't looked into her story and how she got started, she wasn't always Mama, Mama Angelou. Um, so it was very, it was very interesting just to see the full scope. I also really enjoy an author, author called Barbara Kingsolver. If you have the opportunity to read any of her books, I could, um, VC Andrews, like I, I could go on and on. Like I am a book nerd. One of my newest favorite authors is one of my friends, Morgan Rogers. She has a best-selling book now called Honey Girl. Um, she's also from Baltimore and it is a LGBTQ romance novel. So it's very exciting to have one of my best friends now be one of my favorite authors. <laughs> okay, okay. Your favorite music music group. <laughs> Ooh, my favorite. 
I know it's going to sound really old, but the temptations. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I, I love I love everything about the temptations. I watched the movie like 8,000 times. I know I should probably upgrade to something modern, but like that's my favorite music group. <laughs> I got that kind. I got you. I got you. Is that is that one of Eddie Kane? No, it's, it's not the wrong one. It's, the, it's five heartbeats. <laughs> no, this was like Paul, uh, Otis, you know, yeah, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. That one, that one, that David one. Ruffin. <laughs> Ruffin. David Ruffin. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about the five heartbeats. I think that's is that the same one. I don't know if that's the same movie. No, they had like, they had the five heartbeats was like a movie that basically gave you a look on how singing groups back then worked. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, see, you, you called me on that. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> oh, so best brunch meal. Okay, so... <laughs> We're getting, we're getting to the food part. <laughs> oh wow! So my bet, like in Baltimore, that I like personally. Yeah, let's let's go. To your favorite place to go to brunch? Okay. <laughs> I eat a lot. Um, <laughs> so I think one of my favorite place, one of my favorite places to go to brunch. If I had like to be like, okay, this is where I'm. If I can't think of anything else, um, I like to go to Waterfront Hotel in Fells Point and get their stone ground grits where you can build them. Um, I just, they have the best grits to me. And I know that it might sound like I should pick a fancier option, but <laughs> that's what I like. I mean, Waterfront Hotel in Fells Point, their grits, like I don't eat cheese and bacon anymore, but you can still build your grits and it'll taste just like love. <laughs> so, so that's one of my favorite places uh, to go for, for brunch in Baltimore. But um, that's if I'm talking about like a, an easy option for me. I like I like every I like a whole lot of stuff. All right, so you can't. Ne- I'm gonna skip over my next one. But are you an are you an incredible burger person? Is that what's it called? The, the incredible the, the the fake meat. Yeah, the fake meat burger. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, I had to ask a question. I had to ask. I, I I can't eat. I don't eat tofu. I don't eat satan. I don't eat impossible meat. Anything, yeah, incredible. anything that's like, I'm just like, I'd be better off eating Doritos. I just don't want fake, <laughs> fake meat or fake. So I've tried it. Actually, I had one when I first tried artificial meat. That's not what people want to call it. Yeah. Impossible burgers. Nice. I had it from the brand, the company called Slutty Vegan. She's from here. And then she came, she's in Atlanta. Now she's doing good thing, big things. And it was delicious. And that was probably like, if I had to eat a burger with impossible meat or something similar to it again that is the only one <laughs> that i would eat <laughs> okay that makes up your favorite your favorite city to visit wow portland oregon <laughs> what is the best advice you ever received the best advice i ever received let's see to stay curious um for my mother you know, when you stay curious, you stand a chance at doing so many things, you access infinite intelligence, you know, you help people, you get, you move forward with your purpose in the world, you uncover things that you, maybe nobody would have ever uncovered. And so you're bringing the world to a better place. So stay curious. All right. Where can we find your contact info, your social media platforms, if you're on TikTok, all that stuff. I mean, I'm on TikTok now. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm on it. <laughs> but uh, where can we find you on all the social media platforms, your emails, your websites, all that good stuff? Yeah. So um, you can find my website. The website is launching this month in March when this comes out. So if you listen to this after March, you'll definitely find it. <laughs> but it's called 
e3digitalagency.com. That's where you'll be able to find everything else, the social media accounts, um, all of the handles, Twitter, Instagram, e3digitalagency. Um, if you want to stay in touch with me on my personal Instagram account, it is underscore Mariah, just like Mariah Carey. So underscore Mariah Phillips with two L's and then another underscore. Um, that's where you can find me there. Um, you can always email me at info at e3digitalagency.com um, and we can get in touch that way. But I, I love to talk. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me there, e3digitalagency or Mariah Phillips. Um, yeah, and, and hey, we can strike up a conversation. I'm, I, I love to talk. I love to collaborate. Folks, told you we're knocking Women's, Women's History Month out the box. And we have this Black woman that's crushing it out here, that's helping out other Black businesses. You know, that's all I got to say to you. That's all I got to say. And you got to pick up the phone. You got to pick up that computer. Get the cell phone in your hand all the time. Send that message. Slide into DM to say, hey, I need some help. I need some help about what my business is about. And these are things I'm learning, like free classes that are out there for people who want to do business. That's amazing. I mean, Miss Mariah has just dropped so much for us. I mean, I feel like I want to pay her for this episode because it was, it was, <laughs> I mean, enlightening all the way through. So I thank you for coming on the show. I mean, you brought the heat, the fire, everything. And I really appreciate you just educating people who want to start businesses, who have businesses, small business, that want to get a broader, you know, marketing outreach and things of that nature. And I always like, she has these cool reels that she puts on Instagram and they're always funny. So I'm <laughs> doing that because it, it catches people's eyes. They're like, Oh, okay. And she's always helping out, trying to help out others out there. So again, any, any final words you want to say before we sign off? Um, just keep, you know, if you're out there, you have an idea, keep doing what you're doing. If you're already running with something, running with an idea of business, don't be afraid to explore it further. Don't be afraid to bring people in to help. Um, have a very, have an open mind. Um, of course, be smart and strategic about what you're doing, but growth comes through collaboration. So always remember that. Yeah. That's why we have collective collaboration. That's why we, it's hard. It's hard to do it by yourself. It's hard. Yeah. Solo. Thank you so much. Ms. Mariah. We're coming on. Thank you. Three digital agency, SEO, marketer and digital marketing strategist. Okay. She's out here. People don't, there's no excuses anymore. <laughs> Folks, love, peace, happiness. See you next week. Yeah. Bye-bye.